Hey, you're listening to The Real Kathy Lee on the Ultimate Homeschooling Radio Network. Thanks for joining me as I share my mom sessions. It's basically my imperfect journey of motherhood. Be prepared to laugh, maybe cry, but hopefully you're going to be encouraged as I share my failures, successes, and offer some tips I've learned along the way. And remember, you've got this. Check out the homegrownpreschooler.com. They have a great new curriculum called A Summer of Playing Skillfully. Hey, welcome to the show this week. I hope that you and your family are enjoying a good week. I cannot believe that July is coming to a close already. We have been in full swing summer here. I have had my son come in from Vermont. He's in college in Vermont, finishing up there, and he just got engaged. So he and his fiance have been here this week. And it's been such a sweet time, but boy, what... A difficult time too this week has been. We have had to say goodbye to a family member and watching the children grieve. And this is really the closest family member, it's their grandmother that's passed away, and watching them and helping them walk through this and all the stages of grief that we know, right? The it doesn't seem real to I'm so sad to angry and all the things in between. It's taught me a lot as a mom and interesting as we were just talking about Mr. Rogers last week and one of the things that I learned so much about him is just giving children permission to feel and we addressed that. And it was also ironic that I was speaking, supposed to actually be in St. Louis right now. I'm supposed to be at the Great Homeschool Convention this very moment talking, but due to the funeral tomorrow, I'm not I didn't go to that um, conference, but I did have a speaking engagement on Tuesday here in Atlanta that I continued to do. And one of the talks that I gave was working with children from hard places. It was a talk for preschool teachers, but with that talk combined with the grief and the dealing with the emotions of that we've dealt with in our home, I thought, you know, this might be nice to talk about on the podcast. It's funny, all these topics I want to talk about and then things happen in life. And I thought, no, I've got to talk about that. Because when I talk about it with you fresh on my heart, I think that you hear my passion and you hear the oomph I really want to share. And I think working with kids from hard places, and here's the thing, All of our kids have hard moments and they have hard situations. Even if they don't have a diagnosable trauma, uh, there's trauma throughout life and there are events throughout life. And we've had uh, such a wide range of my own life and the kids' lives, their history, um, those are adopted and not even. Traumatic things happen. And, And I think it's interesting as we look at that and how do we help children overcome that I thought it might be helpful for you to listen to it. And last week I got the sweetest email from a mom and she's not a homeschool mom. And and I do love that because even though this show is run on the Ultimate Homeschooling Radio Network, and I'm so thankful for them, they do a fabulous job and it is primarily for homeschoolers. I want you to share this podcast. If you just got moms, dads, friends who aren't homeschooling, this is for them. Most of the things I talk about are not just for homeschoolers. You know, I'm... I am a homeschooler, but I also, you know, have been around lots of kids who are not homeschooled. We we have children in our family who are not homeschooled um, because of the adoption situation and everything. So we have dealt with other things. So it's not just a podcast for homeschoolers. So let's start there. Share this podcast, especially this topic, because it's such an important topic. We all have children, or at some point our children will experience some type of trauma, and If they don't, you definitely are going to have friends. And how you deal with them is going to matter. And so I thought we would just run through my PowerPoint, really. I'll probably share that as the notes this week. Just share my PowerPoint so you can see it and share some notes from it anyway. 
And I thought it was interesting when I look at even the definition of trauma. What is trauma? And it's defined as a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. So when you look at that, we can pretty much guarantee all of our kids are going to experience some sort of trauma in their lifetime. I know for me, I did. Definitely had some things happen in my childhood that were traumatic. Some I'll probably share on another podcast. But one I can talk about today is my house burned down. When I was in the fourth grade, four days after Christmas, our house burned down. And then again, um, right after I moved to Atlanta, like within days of moving to Atlanta, our home burned down. So I have had that twice in my life. And boy, do you think I get a little eerie around fires? I do. And I notice it triggers in me this fear anytime I'm around them. And I've had to adjust to that and deal with that over the years. So trauma doesn't necessarily mean some type of abuse, even though it can. So let's talk about first what co- what does cause trauma in young children. So past or present abuse, stress in the home. You know, it can be any kind of stress. It doesn't necessarily mean fighting with the parents, even though fighting adults in a home is one of the number one stressors for children. Did you know that? So if you and your spouse, your partner are fighting around your children, I would beg you to really work on making sure that is done when children are around because it does it does um, create stress. It was interesting uh, talking about divorce. I was reading a, an article because a lot of times people think it is the divorce that causes the stress, and divorce is stressful and difficult. But when I was reading this research, it said it, the biggest stressor is the fighting. It's the fighting in the home. Um, that causes it more than if both parents are in the home. And again, we want both parents to be in the home. I get that. But it was just interesting. So divorce is another stressor, um, another thing that can cause trauma. A death of a pet. Um, many children, the pet is their closest family member, especially young children. They they connect with that pet. I have a sweet friend whose daughter, her little toddler carries around this kitty cat. And my daughter, Sarah, and I will just watch the videos of her with this kitty cat and laugh and laugh and laugh. But if that something happened, well, in fact, the mom tried to give away the kitty cat and the trauma was so great, the mom went and retrieved the kitty cat. So the death of a pet, the loss of a pet is difficult. The death of a family member or a friend, and we're experiencing that right now, like I said, with the grandmother that has passed. An unhealthy environment, chaos. If you were in a chaotic home or your home, and, you know, my kids will tell you. It's funny that so many people think with my say yes attitude. I love people go, I want to see your house. I want to come to your house. And I think they expect it to look like this playground all the time. And it doesn't, especially now because I don't have young children. It doesn't. I like a clean, tidy house. I like to decorate. I like all these things. So it doesn't really look like... I think what people probably think, mess and stuff everywhere. Now, it can get messy. Don't get me wrong. It totally can. But for the most part, I like it tidy. But an unhealthy, chaotic environment. And you know what I'm talking about. You've been in homes where there is chaos everywhere. Not chaos in one room or chaos here and there or chaos for a time, but everywhere all day long. And that is shown to prom- to um, pr- promote, I guess, or create trauma in young children, just having this chaotic environment. Adding a new family member, right? Young moms, you know this. You add a baby. Oh, my goodness. You're like, what happened to my four-year-old? He just regressed to a two-year-old. You know, how did that happen? Trauma. Again, some of these traumas are obviously going to get to children more than other, but it can. It can provide trauma. A move. Um, a family member being in the military and, and the dad having to leave or the mom having to leave for long periods of time, that separation can cause trauma. Um, that 
worry, that fear, especially depending on how much the child has been exposed to about what the parent is going to do to protect our country. That is traumatic for young children, for sure. Witnessing something horrible, scary, or stressful. Now, this might be in real life. You know, I have had friends who've adopted children, and before they came into their family, they witnessed murders, they witnessed abuse, they were horribly abused. They were made to sleep outside and told that if they, you know, got off the porch, a coyote would eat them. I mean, horrible, 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 unthinkable things were um, done and said and witnessed by these young children. And we know there's some severe trauma for those children. So trauma can just, it can range so in so many ways and can vary greatly. But the thing that we have to remember as adults working with children from hard places, whether it's our own children, our friends' children, or even if you volunteer at church or in a co-op, is that you don't have to understand what the trauma was to be a helper. You can still be a helper and you don't need to, you know, really poke and push and prod to know what the trauma was. You can identify that there's some trauma based on some things we'll talk about in a minute. So that would be the most important thing. Just realize, recognize, yes, there's trauma. And then how can we be a helper? And it says that um, some research that I read that kids who've experienced trauma They really do struggle even in learning and loving and living unless they feel safe and supported. So I think when it comes down to it, you want to think to yourself and ask yourself, okay, how do we help these kids feel safe and supported? And we'll talk about that in a minute. So let's go back to what I always say. I always tell parents, I get emails all the time, all the time about, hey, my kid's misbehaving. My kid's having fits. My kid's angry. My kid's this. Oh, there's a dog shaking. You hear that dog, Hannah? She's shaking her Friday hello to you guys out there. So I always get these emails, Facebook messages, texts, Marco Polos, however you communicate with me. And they ask. And I I say the same thing. Behavior is communication. Behavior is communication. It doesn't matter your child. You know, typical child, child from trauma, adopted child, birth child, young child, old child. Behavior is communication. And and I always ask, okay, what's their behavior saying to me? And you get curious. You go, hmm. When you see a behavior that's out of the norm, first thing you should do is go, hmm, and question mark. And what is that? So some behaviors you want to look for. A kid is withdrawn more than normal. You know, we're not talking about a typical shy kid all the time. They definitely have retreated. They're withdrawn. Maybe they've experienced some trauma. We've noticed, um, especially if they've regressed, if they were potty trained and they regressed significantly back on that baby talk, even regression, you might go, hmm. You see anxiety building in them. What does anxiety look like? Ticks. And like my one of my daughters, she picks at her lip when she gets angry. Kids pick at their nails when they get angry. Not angry, anxious. Kids pick at their nails when they get anxious. Do you see anxiety building up in them? Misbehavior. Just flat out disobedience. Don't want to do anything. And that's out of the norm for them. We've got our strong wall kids who seem to be more disobedient than others. But I'm talking about something that triggers and it changes and you it causes you to pause. Um, uncontrollable anger. They just lose it. Now, all of us lose it. I lose it. I'm sure you lose it. Our kids lose it. So we're not talking about that occasional losing it. I'm talking about you see some real anger coming out that is just like venom. 
Hmm. Be curious about that. Fearful. They're they're fearful of everything. Fearful of going to sleep. Fearful of going to see a particular um, relative or friend or to their house. You notice this fear in them. Pay attention to those fears. Um, Powerless. Can't do anything. Nothing matters. Hopelessness, kind of. And then exhaustion, that they're not sleeping. That also is a sign, just that they're not sleeping. Again, not your, you know, out of the ordinary. We're talking days and days and days of just, you notice something about their rest is different. Could be medical. Got a kid right now and he's going to the ENT because he just snores so terribly. He's got something medically. Not talking that. Talking sleepless. They can't. Something is taking their mind um, off of sleep. And what is that? So you want to get curious. You want to um, pause and look and journal and note and observe and write down anything that you see that's out of the ordinary. So how do you do this? How do you deal with kids in the midst of all this behavior that you see? Some things, key things you have to remember is you have to try and stay unemotional during the most emotional times. When kids are losing it, I know I tend to lose it. When kids are, you know, angry, I tend to get angry. When kids are rejecting me, I tend to want to reject them. You have to try your best to check, maybe just check yourself and say, what, how am I? Unemotional. I need to be unemotional. I need to be unemotional because you will ramp them up even more. And then the biggest piece of advice I can give you is to remember this. It isn't about you. It isn't about you. Now, they might go after you. They might take it out on you, but it isn't about you. There is something in them that they are struggling with that they've got to get out, that they've got to, they want to get out, but they don't know how to, so they stuff it often or it comes out. And all these misbehaviors or all these triggers, just when they trigger them, they just, I mean, all these different ways that you see that there's some trauma. But please remember, if you can stay calm and you can think, it's not about me, then you have a chance to make a difference. Um, Children from hard places, they need to know they are safe, they are loved, and they are accepted, no matter what. And that's hard, that unconditional love, I will tell you, It's one of the greatest gifts we can give back to Mr. Rogers. He always made children feel loved. And and I know I said it last week, but if my children feel loved, they feel worthy of love, they feel capable of love so that they can give love back freely, then I've done a good thing. But kids who have hard situations, hard experiences, hard paths, have a hard time with self-love often, especially if there's some shame involved with some abuse, And so they need us to make them feel safe, loved no matter what, accepted no matter what, safe no matter what, that we are there for them. So when we think about how do we do that, we've got to connect. You've got to focus on the relationships. If I haven't mentioned it before, The Connected Child, got to look it up, Karen Purvis. Great book. It's kind of counterintuitive sometimes. Like, again, if a kid is rejecting you, I know me, I'm like, well, see ya. Um, I want to reject them back. I just want to go later. And... And that's, they need the opposite. They need to pull them closer in those moments. And it's hard. It's hard to pull them closer. But it's necessary. So focus on the relationship. You're going after the heart. Spend time with them. Try and invite them to read books. Watch a movie. Do something with you. Um, just connect. Sit next to them. Talk. Read a book. Have them tell a story. You tell them a story. Those kind of things. Spend some real time with them. And then they need to protect them. They need to know that 
they are safe and that we are trustworthy. How do we show them we're trustworthy? We don't share their stories with everyone. We, we make sure we have permission before we go out there and talk about them and, and with your girlfriends. And, you know, go, you won't believe what they did. They threw, you know, they threw some, my cell phone across the room in anger. Well, the minute a kid walks in and hears you say that, they're going to go, wow. And now she's telling everybody, see, she's not even worthy of my trust. So be careful with what you share. Promote safety. Say to them, especially if you uh, you know they've been in harm's way, you remind them that the doors are locked, the alarm is on, they are safe here. You you have their safety. You're, you, know, you are with them. They can sleep in your room if they need to. They can sleep on a pallet on the floor if they need to. What can you do to help them feel safe? You need to respect them. They they still need to feel that they've got some power, right? And giving them power, and um, one of the best ways to do is giving them real choices. I mean, if it's a little child, just as simple as do they get you know water today, or do they have a special sparkling water today, or do they um, get to wear their favorite blue shirt, or do they want to wear their other favorite red shirt, or they get to pick anything in their closet, and they can wear cowboy boots with their dress. Who cares? And you know they can pick out their cup and. Just giving them real choices in the matter. And then work together. Like if you're baking, have them come alongside and bake with you. And, you know, if they want to make up a recipe, let them make up a recipe. Um, it gives them power and worth and value often. And then one of the best ways just to help these kids with their um, misbehavior is redirection. Instead of just flat out, no, 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 redirect them into a different situation. Um, find something that's appropriate that they could do instead. That often will help these kids from hard places. When I thought specifics, because I don't know about you, but I need practical advice. I am the girl who like reads a magazine before a book or, you know, read a self-help book. I just want practical. Like I like, I love beautiful theory things, but really when we get down to it, give me the nitty gritty, you know, give me how to do it. Just, just tell me how to do it. You know, that's what I skip too often in, in books. Just put it into practice for me. So I thought, well, let me just share 10 ways, 10 ways you can help quickly that you can know that you are making a difference for these kids from hard places. And, and hopefully there'll be 10 pretty easy ways for you to implement. So number one, have a routine. Kids from hard places, they need a routine. They need to know what's coming next. And even in your home, you know, maybe you're, you're helping a friend out and you're going to offer respite care for her child. Well, when they get there, maybe even have some pictures. If you've got the capability, print some pictures off your phone of what the schedule is. If they're readers, then you can write the schedule down, but kind of give them an idea. It doesn't have to be a detailed schedule, but you know, we wake up about this time. I'm going to make you breakfast and then we're going to do this and kind of give them an idea and children are home for sure. And if they're again, not readers, you do it with pictures, but kids need a routine. And I always tell parents, if you want to put up a picture board of your routine, do it with Velcro or something magnets that they can move it around because things do change and, and our schedules change. And, and, but having that routine and knowing the routine, it's so key. You know, just this morning, just this morning, I had a problem because I had a son, one of my older sons, one of my sons from hard places, didn't know the routine. He didn't know what was happening, and the routine's different because of the funeral and what's happening, and, and he wasn't prepared, and his dad was leaving early to go down, and he didn't have his things packed, and so he shows up, and he didn't have his stuff. So now he's going to have, he had to come back and go with me and he was frustrated and, and that happens. Then we're going to cause frustration. And so much of it is like, oh, did I do the right thing as a mom? Did I prepare him? Did I let him know? And even though he's older, 
he still needs some support. And I, I can't expect to have to be careful of my expectations, right? So I'm still learning this, you guys. I don't have it all figured out. Please don't think for one minute when you listen to me. I'm sure you don't. If you listen to me, you hear the hot mess that I am. But don't think I have it figured out because I don't. Number two thing you can do is choose your words carefully. Be careful of the words. Words have power. Use them for good. Use your words to connect. Use your words to bring in. Do not use your words to isolate. Do not use your words to aggravate. Choose your words carefully with children from hard, all children, children from hard places especially. Provide a space for them to go, a safe space in the home for them to get away. And preferably not their room. I would love to have a place that they could go that's just for them in the home. If you have, you know, take a closet that you don't use and make a really beautiful, you know, put like star lights in there and some favorite things for them. I mean, I probably wouldn't close the door and lock them in the closet. That seems pretty tragic. Don't do that. But I mean, maybe you hang a curtain up for them to go through and so you can leave the door open, but they can go in this little magical area or or under the stairs or, uh, you know, just a corner of a place that you can put a tent up that they could go in and just rest. Sometimes kids are exhausted and a lot of defense mechanism is actually sleeping. And so, but a place where they're not totally isolated from everyone would be a nice in the tent or something closer, just a cozy corner that they could just sit and relax. But often you'll find them fall asleep because that is a way to deal sometimes with their um, with their struggles. And if they're not sleeping at night, they will often be more tired during the day. The other thing I would want to say is give them permission to feel. And then when they do feel, honor their feelings. So don't, you know, don't give them permission to be sad. And then when they're sad, go, okay, that's enough. We need to move on. You let them be sad. Or if they're mad, you say, let's get this out. Feel it. It was funny. My daughter, the other day, she goes, it's okay to be sad. And I go, oh, yeah, it's okay to be sad. And then another one said, why am I so angry? Or it doesn't seem real. I mean, they've gone through all these feelings with their grandmother's death, and they're all understandable, but I never do I want to say, it will be okay. You you just need to stop. It's going to be okay. I mean, it will be okay. We know this as adults. It will be okay. Death is a horrible thing, but God does seem to... As I saw a friend post on my daughter's Facebook, he's near to the brokenhearted, and he is. And it is miraculous, almost, the peace that he gives in the midst of such pain. Ugh, it is something. But our kids have to feel it. I don't want my children growing up stuffing their feelings. I want them to express it. They know I always say, talking makes it better. Get it out. Cry it out. Stomp it out. We've got to honor their feelings and give them permission to feel you have to be available. If you're so busy, you don't even notice the struggle, then you're going to miss it. You've got to be available. You've got to be watching. You've got to be aware. You've got to be learning so that you can be aware. You've got to be flexible. You have to be willing to change the routine. You have to be willing to say, okay, well, this was the plan. I.e. this morning, my son not going with his dad. This was the plan, but now this is going to be the plan and we're going to change it and it's okay and we'll work it out. Be flexible and willing to change those plans. You've got to be willing to educate others. People don't get it. They don't understand trauma. They don't understand when they are like, what's wrong with him? I remember when John Michael was little, he had been abused by a man. And apparently the man had this loud laugh. Okay. And so when John Michael was a young boy, nine months to a year old, he would hear someone, a male particularly with a loud laugh, he would begin to just cry. And I remember these friends one time, he's like, he got angry. He's like, why is he, what is wrong with him? And I'm like, huh, what is wrong with you? That's what I wanted to say. This is a little boy who's been through serious trauma. And 
You're worrying about you because he cries at you. I mean, what? So you've got to educate others. You've got to educate them what happens. And, and, and if you ha- know that you have a child with trauma or you're working with a child with trauma, then educate the people around and say, hey, here's some helpful things. Go listen to this podcast. Do this. Here's some helpful things you can do to understand. This is what it looks like. This is how we're working on it. This is why we pull them close in the moments. This is why we don't want to leave them. This is why we have to change plans. All those things. Don't expect to have all the answers, you guys. I still don't have all the answers. I've, oh, my goodness. Every It seems like every week of parenting, I go, really? This is a new one? How is this happening? How? I don't know. How do I get up and give talks and write books about parenting when I feel, like, I feel as if I'm such a failure? I don't have the answers. But I do know that they need us near. And another thing we do is create opportunities for success for them. Let them see success. Let them feel success. Give them things. Help even like in baking or in art or in writing. Things that they can accomplish going with you somewhere where they will just have a conversation and they can get it out. That's successful. Um, Seeing things through, helping them get there will make such a huge difference for them. So what I would encourage you to do is make a plan now. What can you do to make sure you're ready Trauma will happen in some form or fashion for your kids. What are some things you can do to make your home, make yourself more willing, more available in those moments? How can you be prepared? Is there anybody you need to talk to? Have you dealt with your own trauma? One thing I know for sure is our own trauma totally impacts how we handle it. Make sure you've dealt with your own trauma. And what needs to change in you or your environment? We all have to grow. I hope we all grow. I, don't, I guess you don't have to. You can refuse to. But I hope we're all willing to grow. Such an important part of becoming who we were meant to be. Thank you guys for listening this week. I hope you have a good week. And I look forward to talking with you again soon. Next week we're going to talk about hospitality. I'm getting ready to have a lot of girls here. So it'll be a fun topic. Thanks so much. You've been listening to The Real Kathy Lee. This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschooling Radio Network. To find out more, check out therealkathylee.com. You can download us every Friday on iTunes or your favorite app to listen to the podcast. Hey, if this hot mess can rock motherhood, so can you.